Um, just to introduce myself, my name's John. Um, I'm from Harrogate, which is in the north of the UK, just north of Leeds, if you know where Leeds is, is in the UK. Uh, we've been there for the last uh, nine years, and it is wonderful to be with you guys uh, this morning. I've actually brought some snaps, because I know what it's like when you get a visiting speaker, you don't know who they are, where they come from. And uh, this is my family. Uh, this is Kate, my wife, and my two daughters, Josie and Eva. And uh, this is my little boy, Hudson, uh, who's now a year and a half old. And um, yeah, they would love to have been here with you guys uh, this weekend. The initial plan was that we'd all come, uh, but unfortunately our kids had to be back in school early doors Monday, so we had to get a flight back, um, which wouldn't make us be back in time. Uh, but maybe next time we come out, we bring out the family so they can meet you, all, you guys. Uh, it's great to see so many children here, and I think they'd really click in here. Um, if you can go to the next slide. This is our church family. This is in Harrogate, where we're from. Uh, these guys are waving at you guys. They're praying for you this morning. And uh, this church has been going. We started this church about nine years ago. And it's been a wonderful journey just seeing the church grow uh, to the place where we're ready now. We can kind of start to bless the nations and come to places like Sweden. Um, myself and Kate and our family, we're actually on the move at the end of this year, moving away from uh, our beloved church in, in Harrogate, going to Vancouver to go and start a new church at the end of the year. So we're a kind of a mixture of excitement and trepidation right now. Everything is changing in our world. Uh, this has very much become our real kind of dear friends and family. So we're quite sad to say goodbye to them. But it's an exciting thing, isn't it? Churches grow and they multiply. And then these churches grow and they multiply. And I'm excited about everything God's doing with you guys, that, again, you would go through the same journey uh, that we've gone through. Uh, being here with you guys kind of reminds me of the first time that I met Josh. Uh, so Josh and I met in Oslo probably about six, seven years ago now. And we were supporting the church over there. We were staying in the same house together. And really, we hit it off at the outset. We couldn't stop chatting. Uh, we started yabbering away for the whole weekend, and mainly over two key subjects. The first was Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, which I'm sure you hear a lot about in this setting. Uh, couldn't shut Josh up. I'm a big Spurs fan myself. I thought I was the biggest Spurs fan until I met this guy, and it's all he went on about for the whole weekend. That, and also this church, that even though this church hadn't started, uh, Josh was very much, Josh and Nina are carrying the dream for this church in their hearts. So it's wonderful to be here and to see this dream come true and to see what you guys have become. And just as Josh was sh sharing earlier, it does feel like we've kind of come to you at a, such a key stage in the life of this church. I really do feel like this is a new season for you guys. Um, this isn't kind of more of the same. This is something new God is doing amongst you. As you go into this new building, I believe it's going to be a building there where you see incredible growth and you see God do amazing things. Um, just felt last night, I don't know why, I woke up and I just felt God would just want to say um, how happy and how encouraged and how, um, how much he loves you guys and how pleased he is by the way you've built together and that you've been faithful to him, you've been obedient to him. Many of you have left where you come from to start this church, to be involved here. And the way that you've built uh, deep foundations is just wonderful. You haven't rushed into uh, just doing this stuff, actually given time to building great family, great friendship, uh, getting things right. Um, but I just get the sense for this next season that God is rushing in with power. And you're going to see a breakthrough in many different fronts in terms of salvation and seeing many people, maybe family, friends, that you've been praying for for ages, seeing them come to know Jesus. And uh, that God's going to be positioning you as well into places of influence, that things are going to be changing here. And really, my big encouragement this weekend, my and Chris's encouragement to you guys, uh, is really about life in the Spirit. 
And that's the theme really for what we wanted to speak into. And I just wanted to kind of warn us off, as you give prophetic words of that, sometimes it can feel like there's more that you need to do. There's more action involved that somehow you just need to click into a different gear. I just want to encourage you, God is going to do this. And it's his initiative. It's his Holy Spirit in you that's going to get you to that place. So if you've got your Bibles here, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. The book of Ephesians. I've also put the words on the screen as well. Um, I'll find the passage myself. And so just to give us a little bit of background before we read into this. uh, This is a letter that Paul wrote to uh, the church in a great city, great ancient city called Ephesus. It's a church that, like you guys, was started by uh, a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. So we see the story in Acts chapter 18. Paul is on one of his missionary journeys. He turns up at this city. He meets some Christians. And the first question he asks them is, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And when the answer came back, no, the first thing that Paul did was lay hands on these Christians to be filled with the Spirit. And that's how that church started. Just like every one of Paul's churches, they were started with the initiating power of God through a kind of baptism of the Holy Spirit as God worked amongst them. And now in today's passage, Paul is really reminding them of their past and he's saying to them, carry on just as you were. Don't move on from being a people of the Spirit. Stay a people of the Spirit. So he says this in verse 15. He says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What's the Lord's will? The Lord's will is do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And actually, that's the present tense, so you could better translate that. Go on being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, which is what we've been doing this morning. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I don't know about you, but I love that passage because it's so simple, it's so straightforward. I think sometimes in life, we are really guilty of being too complicated. I know that in my life, I can make life so complex. And sometimes we can be tempted to make uh, church life complex as well. So I know that in Harrogate, when we started off, it really was a hoot, a bit like you guys have this morning. Um, You know, we just went with the flow, went with the spirit. We were stepping into new things. Everything was exciting. We were singing over one another when we came together. We all had songs. We all contributions. God was moving through us. Uh, They were just amazing times. But then somewhere down the line, I can track it back to about four or five years ago, I suddenly realized we'd become ever so serious. Like something had changed. And the thing I could put it back down to was that we had started somehow to start to look over our shoulders, looking at other churches and kind of comparing ourselves to them. We were kind of looking at churches that were maybe 100 years old and thinking we should be doing everything that they are doing. We should be copying what they're doing. And so suddenly we became very busy. And we were kind of, I suppose when you think about it, we were trying to complete what the Spirit had started in his strength in our strength. 
And we lost the joy of church. We lost it. And we forgot that actually the dream of being a people who are filled with love and being a people who are filled with joy and a people who are filled with boldness is not something that we create. We can't just muster it up and create that in ourselves. It's something that the Holy Spirit naturally does in every one of us. It's the new covenant, isn't it? That God gives us a new heart. That the Spirit comes and lives inside us. We don't have to strive for church growth. We don't have to strive for personal growth. We don't have to beat ourselves up about this thing. We have a Savior who died for us, so we don't have to die to ourselves in that way. But actually, we have the Spirit who now lives inside us, who makes us like him, who creates wonderful churches like yourselves. And uh, Paul is so strong on this that please note, he doesn't say being filled with the Spirit is a good idea. He doesn't say you can take it or leave it, depending on whether you're the Pentecostal type. He actually commands it. He says to the church, go on being filled with the Spirit. Do it. Because what's at stake is the way that you are different to the world. What's at stake is your joy. What's at stake is your boldness. It's your love. It's everything that makes you stand out to this world. And so that's really what I want to draw out from this passage this morning is, what does the Holy Spirit really do in us? And so my focus is very much going to be on the fruits of the Spirit, uh, the character things, the things that God does in our hearts. Tomorrow, Chris is going to be looking more at the gifts of the Spirit, the way that God gives us gifts of power to make a difference. But I really want to be looking at the heart this morning. And to help us, Paul really gives us a great comparison. Because if you look again, his very words are these. He says, which is quite shocking actually, he says, don't get drunk on wine. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Paul, we weren't talking about getting drunk on wine. <laughs> Why are you suddenly talking about getting drunk on wine? And it's because he's making a comparison. He says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a verse that only makes sense if in some way being filled with the Spirit is also like being drunk, eh? Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And it's also, we see this in the Bible time and time again. So if you remember Acts chapter 2, the disciples are gathered in the room together, the followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. There's flames on their heads. There's joy in the room. And each of these guys, they spill out of that room onto the streets. They start speaking out in tongues, different languages, speaking with boldness, having joyful fellowship together. And we're told that the crowd that was there at the time were looking on and the only thing that they could label them as were drunks. The only thing that they could label these rowdy, passionate Jesus followers as was a group of drunks, a group of beer drinkers. And you know, I'd imagine that for some of us, today, for some people that today, that's what the church looks like. I'd imagine for some people looking on through these windows this morning, that's what some people were thinking. As we had our hands in the air, some of us were jumping up and down, as we were singing out, as we were singing new songs. For some people, it must have looked like we were drunk here this morning because it's the only way sometimes we can categorize joyful, bold people. Surely they must be drunk because that is, isn't it? That's what alcohol does when you think about it. Alcohol, it loosens, loosens your inhibitions so that the things that used to scare you, they no longer scare you. Uh, you kind of become a lot braver, a lot happier, and likewise, the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon us, he gives us a voice, he gives us boldness, he gives us joy in our midst. Except, of course, with one big difference. Because if you think about it, alcohol only makes you bold and happy 
by really killing your brain. It's a depressant which turns your brain off. It depresses your brain so that really you forget what life is really like. You forget about your reality. You stop functioning rationally. And so a drunk person becomes happy. They become bold because they forget about life. But actually being filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to know, thank God, is very different. See, if you look at your Bible, if you look at verses 15, 16, and 17, these bits up here, you will see that being filled with the Spirit is not about turning your brain off. So if you look at these words, Paul says, be very careful then as you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. He talks about not being foolish, but understanding what the Lord's will is. So he's not talking about turning our brains off. He's talking about turning our brains on. And then the natural flow goes down to verse 18, right below that, where how do we become you know, so enlightened? How do we have such higher brain capacity where well, we are filled with the Holy Spirit? We need to be aware that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not about dumbing down our faith. It's not about all of a sudden becoming silly people who just disengage. It's about God turning on our brains so we can see what's really happening in this world. And I think the greatest example of this is the story of Elisha. If you remember the story of Elisha, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we see this great prophet of God. He's in a, uh, a horrible predicament. He's being hunted down by the king of Syria and his vast forces. He's on the run with his servant. And he gets to this place where he is surrounded by this king and this great army. And we see him in this moment, and it's amazing. He's the most chilled out guy possible. He's about to be captured. He's about to be caught, but he is just the most chilled out person. A bit like Josh, Mr. Chilled Out. And uh, he is the complete opposite to his servant standing next to him, who is actually racked with fear, which is probably more understandable. He's anxious. He's scared. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. And I suppose in our world, what we do is that we'd offer this servant, you know, a little something to steady the nerves. Maybe a drink of something to knock him out so he doesn't have to think about the reality of his situation. But that's not what Elisha does. What does chilled out Elisha do? Elisha places his hand on his servant and he prays. And he prays this over him. He says, Lord, open this man's eyes. Show him what's really going on in this world. Show him beyond the physical, show him beyond this army, show him where you are in this situation. And what happens next is that God does open this servant's eyes. We're told in verse 17, 2 Kings chapter 6, that the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. In other words, this young man started to see the angels and the heavenly hosts of God. He started to see beyond the physical realm to what was really happening in that situation. And he was boldened as a result. And for me, that's a great picture of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He doesn't show us less of reality. He shows us more of reality, of what's really happening behind the scenes in this world. He shows us God who is with us. The other story I like to think about is Stephen in the Bible, the first martyr uh, of the Christian church. And we see him, really he has his one moment in Acts. We see this horrible moment where he is preaching the gospel. And he's preaching in such a way that he angers the Pharisees, he angers the Jews. They start to stone him to death. And they're hurling big rocks at him. 
And we would have thought he would have shut up at that moment. But actually, Stephen keeps going. He still preaches with power and authority, with boldness and a joy, even though these rocks are raining down on him. Just seems a little bit unreal. And it's because, again, Stephen was looking at Jesus. In that moment, Stephen was looking right into Jesus' face. It says he saw heaven opened. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, and he saw the glory of God. That's how he was able to stand with such boldness. And in different ways, because we're all different, that's how the Spirit works in all of our lives. He keeps showing us the reality of Jesus in every situation. So just listen to Jesus' words in John 16. Jesus says this. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, what will he do? He will glorify me. He will take what I'm telling you, what I've done, and he will show it to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit takes all the words that we know about Jesus and he makes him real to our hearts. In the Holy Spirit, we stop studying about Jesus as a guy on a page. as someone we just need to study about. With the Holy Spirit, he becomes so real to us. We have such intimacy with him that everything else kind of fades away. He becomes like the orientating factor of our lives. All our fear, all our anxiety, all the things that scare us, they no longer scare us in the same way because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The things that used to scare us in Jesus no longer scare us. In fact, there's a wonderful scene in the Chronicles of Narnia where Aslan the lion is chatting with Lucy and uh, Lucy says to him, she says, Aslan, you're bigger. Have you grown? To which Aslan says, I haven't, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger and bigger. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. That every year we spend with him, every day we spend in communion with God, God with us, the Holy Spirit in us, we will find that Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And for me, that is the true marker of whether we've been filled in the Holy Spirit. Jesus gets bigger. Yeah, I think so often we worry, don't we, about the external things. I know I used to. I used to often worry, have I been filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I don't shake like Chris shakes. <laughs> or I don't fall down like that person falls down. Or I don't prophesy like that person over there prophesies. Or maybe I don't speak in tongues. Sometimes we get so confused by these things that we consider ourselves not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But really, the better question to ask is about our hearts. How are our hearts doing? What's happening in here? And the key questions are, you know, are you more confident today than the day when you first met Jesus? Are you more bold today than you were even a week ago? Because as we're filled with the Spirit, that's what happens inside us. You know, when I look back at my life, really I see this. So my story is really one of overcoming incredible fear of man in my life. So I've known Chris now for 20 years or so. And when Chris first met me, I was a real nervous wreck. Um, I couldn't uh, look people in the eye properly. Uh, when I was invited to share at church, I'd shake kind of uncontrollably. I remember once being asked to share my testimony at our church in Leeds, and uh, I just ran out the back door. <laughs> I was so fearful. And uh, now, when I look at me, I still have fear. You need to know that I'm not perfect. There's still stuff going on in my life, stuff going on in my heart. But when I look back at my past, I see in myself, I'm so much less fearful 
than what I used to be. And it's because of what God does inside. Please don't look at the externals. Look at your heart. See what God's doing in you. And really one of the pictures that uh, I carry for you guys is in this new season is I see so many different doors that God is opening up to you. Um, and I see, yeah, as I mentioned, doors of salvation. And the friends that you carry, the friends that you have, God giving you new favour there to preach the gospel, to share your faith, and that you would see things happen as a result. I see doors of influence, and there's new jobs for some people in this room. There's new places that God is putting you in to have big impact for him. Uh, I see doors of transformation, so doors that would affect whole communities. God's going to lift you up to a place where you can affect things in his spirit for him. And I think sometimes that can unnerve us a little bit. Even the thought of it is such a dangerous thing. We dare even think about it. But in this picture for you guys, I just saw Jesus standing beside this door. And he's not inviting you to look through the door. He's actually inviting you to look into his eyes and to look at him. And even as we were worshipping earlier, I just even myself, I had this, uh, just this impression of Jesus touching my face and turning my gaze into his eyes and just looking into his eyes of love for us and joy over us. And that's really how we grow in courage in our lives. And I just saw him taking you guys as a church through that door. You go with him. And that's how he beats, that's how he beats fear in your life. I think so often we try to deal with fear through uh, willpower. We've got to stop being fearful. I did that for years and years, and it never worked. But as I got to know Jesus, everything changed. My fear got less and less and less as he grew bigger in my eyes. Even today, as I'm speaking to you guys, I'm just aware of Jesus' presence here. It's how I can preach. It's how I can share. Um, so, Lord, we just say, Lord, would you, would you fill this room afresh? Lord, I ask, Lord, for a bold church. <laughs> Lord Jesus, would you lift our eyes to you today, Lord? I pray, Lord, where our eyes are maybe focused on some circumstances and situations, on some things that scare us. Say, Lord Jesus, would you make yourself known to every one of us in powerful ways here today? Lord, we do pray for fresh boldness. <laughs> Lord God, would you bring courage to this church? Thank you, Lord, that you've got them to where they are today. Thank you, you're going to take them on. <laughs> Lord, there's more to come. There's great victories to, to be had. And Lord, it comes as we follow you. So we say, Holy Spirit, come and touch every life in this room and bring your power and bring your boldness, we ask. And Lord, we also say bring your joy as well. Bring your joy, which is really the next thing I wanted to touch on is that the Holy Spirit brings boldness and he also brings joy. He brings joy. So again, if you could look at these verses, um, what we need to be aware of in the Greek is that beginning of verse 18 to the end of verse 21, in the Greek, there is not a single full stop. We've put those in there our translators, so that we can read it easier. But in the Greek, there's nothing there, no full stop, no punctuation, because everything that we see here is a result of being filled with the Spirit. Everything. And I hope you noticed this, but really what we see in that second paragraph there is really a bit of a party, isn't it? That's a description of what church should be like. This isn't just a one-off. This is to be our norm. This is church. Church is to be a party. <laughs> A party. It's not really church as we know it, but this is what God wants for us. I mean, if you look at verse 19, it says that when the Spirit fills us, we start really kind of singing over one another. We start making music in our hearts. 
all seems a bit hippie-like, doesn't it? <laughs> but this is what God does in us. He brings joy. It kind of reminds me when before I was a Christian, and I did used to get drunk before I was a Christian, and I used to come out of bars on Saturday night, and me and my mates, we used to roll down the street, arm in arm, singing songs. It's a little bit like that, eh? Except the one big difference is that back then, I was singing about myself. Uh, which is kind of what happens when you get drunk, is that you have more trust in yourself than you would normally. Um, one of the big kind of things that always confuses me is uh, karaoke bars. I don't know if you had them in Sweden, but in the UK, there are more and more karaoke bars. And uh, normally for most people, the idea of singing in front of hundreds of people would scare them to death. But if you give them a few drinks, it's amazing how many people want to get up and sing. And... Uh, Maybe more soberingly, it's the reason why drinking and driving is such a bad idea. Because the more you drink, the more confident you get in your own self. The more trust you put in you. That's how alcohol affects us. It turns us off to reality and it causes us to have a bigger confidence in ourselves than we should. Which is the root of so much pain in our lives. And so much pain in the world. The world is full of discontent, restless, and frustrated people because we're all trying to do things in our own strength. We're all putting way too much trust in our own ability. Even those people that we think are full of self-confidence, actually they're not. And so I just recently read from Madonna, uh, someone we would think was the kind of archetypal self-confident person. She said this, she said, I have an iron will and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy inside me. She said, I push past one spell of it and discover myself a special human being. And then I get to another stage and then I think I'm mediocre all over again. Again and again and again. Do you hear that? Even the most self-confident people, they carry a lack of confidence in their hearts. When we do well, sometimes when we're successful, maybe in a job, we have fleeting moments of joy. We think, yes, I've done it. And we're on cloud nine. We know we're celebrating. But even the most successful people, they still carry that sense of inadequacy in their hearts. But the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit is so different to that. So different. It's not a temporary buzz based on the things that we've done on our success. It's not a temporary buzz that comes from maybe things like alcohol where we've inoculated ourselves to the world. But it's a permanent contentment and peace that we have in our lives. Because it's not rooted in what we've done or who we are, but it's all rooted in Jesus and what he's done for us. So just listen to these words from Blaise Pascal. Uh, Blaise Pascal was a famous 16th century scientist, French guy. And uh, he was a little bit of a kind of stoic. He kind of hid himself away. He never really showed emotion. Uh, but he recounts in his diary the moment that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it just really astounds me. He says this in his diary, which was unearthed some time back. He said, in the year of grace, 1654, Monday the 23rd of November, on the day of St. Clement from about half past 10 in the evening until about half past 12 at night, fire, fire. And he kind of took up a whole page writing fire in big capital letters. And he said, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he brought me certainty and joy. He said, the world has not known thee, but now I have known thee. And there is joy, joy, joy in my heart. There are tears of joy rolling down my face. 
That's what he wrote. I mean, this guy who wasn't emotional at all suddenly is undone in the Holy Spirit. He's filled with joy, filled with peace. And he knew where his joy came from. It came from knowing Jesus. And know what he said there as well. He talked about certainty. He talked about assurance, which is where joy comes from. It's having a certainty that we are saved. It's knowing with absolute, 100% assurance that Jesus is holding us in his hands that he never lets go of us. If you know Jesus in this room, he will never, ever let go of you, friends. He has got you. You are his, and he is yours forever and ever. And when we get that, truly, that's when joy comes into our lives. Fear comes when we forget that. Fear creeps into our lives. Solemnity creeps into our lives. Religion creeps into our lives when we forget that God loves us unconditionally in Jesus. But when we understand the certainty of what God has done for us, it changes everything. In fact, it's what we see Jesus praying for us in John chapter 17, just as Jesus is thinking about leaving planet Earth in the way that he was here with us. He prays to his Father and he asks for all of us that we would have the full measure of joy in our lives. The full measure. I wonder who here wants the full measure of joy? A few of us. <laughs> I'm sure there's more of us than that. The full measure of joy. And Jesus says it comes from knowing that we are forever his. That no one can take us out of his hand. And then we see, ultimately, that the Father responded to Jesus' prayer. How did, Je how did the Father respond to Jesus? By sending us his Holy Spirit. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says that God set his seal of ownership on us and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing to us what is to come. In other words, God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we will have a certainty and assurance about our salvation, that we will know that we are forever his. Which means that we, whatever you're going through in your life, no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation you're going through, you can know this joy still today. It may be not, it won't mean that you're jumping off the ceiling if you're going through some tragic stuff, but you can still know the peace of Jesus in your life. You can still know the assurance of him in your life that he has got you through whatever you're going through. I think even one of the prayers this morning was that God stands with us through the dark places. You can know that God stands with you. He never leaves you alone. And you are his son and daughter and he is holding you forever. Paul even, say, even says, doesn't he, in verse 20, he says that the person who is filled with the Spirit gives thanks to God the Father for everything. Or maybe the better translation is that a person filled with the Spirit gives thanks to God the Father in everything. That's the reality of the Christian life, that no matter what you go through, you can live with a thankful heart, life, a thankful heart. And really, that's my story. So... There used to be a day for me where I just didn't get worship. I just didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. I'd be in places like this. Everyone would be dancing and singing and jumping. And I'd be standing there, you know, rigid as anything else. And I didn't know how to behave. And for me, worship was a bit of a duty. It was a bit of a kind of solemn act that I did. I didn't really know how to engage with it. And it's because ultimately, I didn't know how much Jesus loved me. I didn't get God's love. In fact, I saw worship as my way to convince God to love me. And so it became an incredibly heavy thing. 
Um, but I remember the night that all changed. I was at a Christian union meeting with Chris, again, who I've known for a long time. And um, this guy was preaching about the baptism of the Spirit. He was praying for people. And suddenly, I just, it's just a sudden awareness of God's love for me that changed everything in my life. I kind of knew it in here, but I didn't know it in here. And it was like suddenly the dam burst in my heart and it was like an electricity bolt going through my life where suddenly I realized, oh, I am loved. I don't have to work to get God's love. I'm already loved. I no longer need to worship to kind of convince him to look at me. He's already gazing at me. His eyes are already on me. I'm in his presence and there's nothing that I can do to separate myself out from him. He's got me. And so suddenly there was a thankfulness in my life that wasn't there before. And so I started to be able to sing and wave my hands and jump around like everyone else. It was, it was almost like a sudden change. And that's not the same for all of us. Sometimes it'll be a gradual thing where we understand more and more that we are loved. For some of us, it'll be immediate like that. But it's always a work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Chris will tell you about that moment <laughs> we were talking about in the car the other day. That as that happened to me, it was the most uncharacteristic thing that I've ever done. Is It was in this old Church of England church. And I started doing roly-polies down the aisle in front of everyone. <laughs> And uh, again, I can only describe it as being drunk in the spirit. Being drunk in the spirit. There was joy in my heart uh, that overflowed in the way that I worshipped. And I just really feel like for you guys, again, please do not overcomplicate church. Please do not overcomplicate it. Believe in God who is with you and be filled with the spirit. And as you're filled with the spirit, you will have the most incredible times of worship because you won't help be able to worship him in every situation. And it won't just be about your meetings either. It will spill out from this place. It will spill out in the way that we treat our families, in the way that we treat our spouse, maybe our kids. It will spill over in the way that we deal with problems in our lives. We won't have such a defeatist attitude, but we will understand that God is with me. We can come through this. It will spill over in the way that we handle going to work in the morning, maybe a Monday morning where normally you'd be normally gloomy. There'd be a greater sense of that God is with me. And even when you're in work, it can spill out in your workplace. It can affect the place that you work in. I mean, so often, our places of work are really gloomy, aren't they? They can be deadly. And uh, there's just a lack of joy, a lack of peace. Everyone's striving, everyone trying to be successful, everyone's stressing out. But we can be the one person of joy and peace in that environment because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Doesn't sound complex enough, does it? <laughs> But this is what God does in us. This is how you will see Gothenburg saved. This is how you will see Sweden saved. I do believe as a church, you are pivotal for Sweden, not just for Gothenburg. But there's so much more to come. And it's as the Spirit dwells in you. It's the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. Let's remind ourselves of those words. It says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. And why? To bring a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It's what the Holy Spirit does. It's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and the places where you work. And uh, I can kind of see God doing that right now. I mean, today, there's tears of joy. There's tears of, oh, God's with me. And in a minute, we're going to pray uh, for every person to, again, just be overwhelmed with this sense of joy that we are God's. Um, just very quickly before we do that, I just really want to encourage us as well that the incredible love that we get when we're filled with the Spirit too. Tangible love. 
love that stops becoming this ethereal thing, but love that we know in our lives. So again, if you look at verse 21, I'm here. Again, this all flows out, being filled with the Spirit. It says that we then submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. This all flows out of being filled with the Spirit. How many of us ever associated submission to being filled with the Spirit? I never used to, but it's here in this passage. We submit to one another as we are filled with the Spirit. We start to prefer one another. We stop competing against one another, and we honor and love one another in incredible ways. Again, if you think about alcohol, getting drunk on alcohol, alcohol is a community killer. If you know any alcoholics, um, their relationships don't normally last because alcohol is a community killer. But when the Spirit comes in us, it makes communities come alive because we start to just carry such incredible love for those people around us. I'm just mindful of Jesus' words. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So if anyone is thirsty. Again, there's no qualifications that are needed. You just have to be thirsty for God to be filled with the Spirit. And we just need to go to Jesus and we need to drink. This is promise. And then he says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Again, it's really simple. We grow churches. We become people of authority and power in our lives. We become community changers as we simply receive from God for ourselves. We become uh, people that give out only as we learn how to receive in God. And I want to encourage you guys as a church, keep being those that receive. You could be the grumpiest person in this room. You could be the grumpiest person that you know. You could be the most selfish person that you know. You could be all of that. You could be the most arrogant person you know. But when you are filled with the Spirit, you start to be someone that gives out in incredible ways to those around you. You can be an encourager. You can be someone that serves. You can be someone that gives it all up just to serve people where perhaps in the first place you were there just to make money for yourself or just to live life for your own promotion. This is what the Holy Spirit does in us. So how many of us are thirsty for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? Just what God wants to do with us this weekend, I really feel that there's moments just basking in God's glory and being filled with him. And uh, yeah, we've traveled from England to teach, but we're not the main act, not by a long shot, it's God who is encouraging you and building you guys up. So shall we stand? And um, maybe if we could get some worship in the background, that'd be great. And I just believe there's going to be some more uh, prophetic words that are to come. I know there's some people in this room that are carrying things. And uh, this is space where we can bring that. I just want to encourage us. um, You can engage with this as much as you want to. So I'm not putting the pressure on anyone. But just the great way we can, again, just receive from God is just by showing with our bodies that we are open, that we want to receive. We can hold out our hands. It's a great way of saying, Lord, I surrender. I'm here to catch everything that you have for me. Why don't we just open up our hands if you want to do that? And I just want to pray over us. And in a minute, we're going to pray for one another and we're going to worship. And there's going to be some things that God does. But Lord, we do say, Lord, we are thirsty today. Lord, we come to you, Lord. We, we know we are not qualified to receive from you. But we thank you that you have qualified every one of us to receive from you. Thank you, you've done it for us, Jesus. 
Thank you for fixing our gaze upon you this morning as we're worshipping. And Lord, thank you that makes us bold to come and ask you for such a thing as that we would get filled again with your Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit, you would come and live in us. You would fill us afresh. And I say, Lord, would you drench us? (laughs) Would you come upon us in such a way that all our fears would melt away? (laughs) Jesus, where there is gloominess and where there is doubt, Jesus, where some of us, Lord, we just don't feel like worshipping. I just pray, Lord, remind us through your spirit of what you've done for us. Bring joy to this place afresh, Lord Jesus. Lord, we do pray for this community, Lord. I pray, Lord God, for a people that truly love one another, Lord, that continue in the same way that they are, Lord God, honouring and lifting each other up and preferring one another. Lord God, we long to see a church like that in Gothenburg, Lord, a community that, Lord, is not selfish, that Jesus is about you and your love (laughs) and giving out freely what we've received. Lord, we just say, come, as you promised, come move upon us. Reveal your love in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And just as I felt earlier, where I felt jaunted to look at Jesus' face, I just see the Holy Spirit now for every one of us, kind of just touching the side of our face. And he's steering our gaze into Jesus' eyes. And what we need to know is that Jesus' eyes, they don't look at us sternly. He's not aloof. He's not stoic. Our Father in heaven is not that kind of God. But as you look at him, what you'll see is that his eyes are full of joy. (laughs) His eyes, they have tears in. He's not emotionless. I can even see God's kind of lip quivering a bit as as he's looking at us and he's so filled with joy. He's so filled with emotion and his love for you. And just the Holy Spirit wants to draw us to that, the love of the Father, the kind of saviour we have in Jesus. Lord, we just say, Lord, paint a better picture for us of who you are than maybe we tell ourselves sometimes. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship and then we're going to pray for one another.